0: We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cast. Good morning. Long COVID, with symptoms that linger for months like brain fog, dizziness, or heart palpitations, may affect 2 to 10 percent of children who have been infected with COVID, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. As many as one and a half million children in the U.S. could be suffering from long COVID, and there's no single laboratory test to diagnose it. This past fall, a set of guidelines was published to help pediatricians identify and treat long COVID. Clinicians from eight medical institutions across the U.S., including Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore, collaborated on the advice. Dr. Laura Malone is one of the lead authors of the guidelines. She is a physician scientist at Kennedy Krieger Institute, as well as an assistant professor of neurology and of physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Dr. Malone co-directs Kennedy Krieger's pediatric post-COVID-19 rehabilitation clinic. When we spoke in December, I asked Dr. Malone why guidelines for pediatric patients were needed when there were already guidelines for adult patients with long COVID.
1: When we think about the diagnosis and treatment of long COVID in children, There are some specific developmental things to take into consideration um, with regards to how the acute symptoms manifest in children to what sort of studies might be necessary or indicated or the symptoms that children experience compared to adults. And so that was the main reason for um, trying to develop this pediatric guidance statement um, in order to help really focus on some of the nuances that might exist in the pediatric population
0: and it seems to me that young people are less likely to have pre-existing conditions is that is that part of what's different for them
1: yes so um young people tend to be more you know typically developing healthy not have as many pre-existing conditions that are more common in adults and so sometimes um the treatment approaches and even the studies that we would do to rule out other um, conditions that could mimic long COVID symptoms may not be as necessary in pediatrics.
0: So what advice do these guidelines offer to pediatricians about how to diagnose a child who may have long COVID?
1: Right now, we really do focus on a clinical diagnosis of long COVID. As you mentioned, there's not a specific test that um, can be done, a a blood test or any other diagnostic test in order to confirm the diagnosis. So really, you're looking for a history um, of either known, either with a you know, a a nasal swab or a blood test um, of COVID infection, or sometimes it may just be an exposure, you had symptoms consistent with it, and then um, continuing to have symptoms after that, after about a four-week time period. That's how we think about um, long COVID in our clinical practice, and that's sort of how we focused on it um, in the guidance statement as well.
0: And this paper organizes common long COVID symptoms by system. For example, there are mental health symptoms, neurological symptoms, respiratory symptoms. Why is it useful to break down symptoms that way?
1: The reason that we broke down the symptoms that way is because we actually had specialists from various different um, pediatric subspecialties that participated in it. So we had cardiologists, we had pulmonologists, we had neurologists like me. Um, And so everybody was coming at it from a different specialty, and so we broke it down in various organ systems in order to help uh, primary care doctors think about it, the long COVID and the symptoms uh, that can cross domains and sort of make sure that you're addressing all the varied ways in which long COVID can affect children.
0: Yeah, I mean, some children with long COVID may have two persistent symptoms. Mm-hmm. Some may have 20. How how difficult does that make it to get a diagnosis?
1: A lot of children that we see tend to have more than one symptom. But some of the definitions that are out there, do um, only require one symptom um, in order to meet a diagnosis of long COVID. Obviously the more symptoms, sometimes there's more um, overlapping or contradictory type of symptoms that if you address it um, with one therapeutic approach, it might um, interfere with sort of some other symptoms. So that sometimes makes it more complicated um, in some cases to address. And so that's where a multidisciplinary team can be beneficial.
0: That's neurologist Dr. Laura Malone, who co-directs Kennedy Krieger's Pediatric Post-COVID-19 Rehabilitation Clinic. On the record, on WYPR, I'm Sheila Kast. We're talking about long COVID in children. Access is a huge challenge in the U.S. healthcare system, getting referrals, driving around to different specialists, finding doctors with open appointments. Are you concerned about underdiagnosis or undertreatment?
1: Yes, I think that that is um, a a big concern, especially in the pediatric population, because a lot of children have mild acute illness. um, If they have COVID, they may even be asymptomatic or have a runny nose for, you know, a day or so. And so they may not even test for COVID. And so I think that it's um, important to have increased awareness um, that if kids are developing new symptoms to think about long COVID as a possibility. And I do think access to care is really important, and that's part of why we developed this guidance statement is to help um, you know, primary care doctors be able to start some of these treatments given that not every patient has access to a, a post-COVID clinic in their area, and they may not be able to travel to those types of um, centers.
0: When you and I spoke a little over six months ago, your pediatric post-COVID clinic had seen more than 60 patients. What's Mm -hmm. the situation now?
1: So, we have seen um, probably around 100, maybe a little bit more or so, um, children in our clinic thus far and continue to get new referrals every day for um, children to be seen in our clinic.
0: Tell me how your clinic at Kennedy Krieger incorporates these guidelines into treatment.
1: A lot of our team members actually um, were authors on the guidance statements, and so we used our experience in the clinic and the research that's out there to help develop them. So we do use a multidisciplinary rehabilitation-based approach um, with multiple disciplines in our clinic. Um, We have myself from neurology. We have um, a pediatric rehab doctor, Dr. Morrow, who helps co-direct this clinic with me. We also have the hero psychologists and social workers and physical therapists in our clinic as well. And so everybody is um, evaluating the patients and providing individualized recommendations based on the symptoms that children are experiencing. Um, And we really do work with a rehabilitation approach to improve functioning and participation of children back to the activities that they need to do in life. So whether that's school, or whether that's extracurricular activities, playing sports, even sometimes um, having time with their friends, that's our goal to try and manage the symptoms as they um, can get back to those types of activities.
0: Really appreciate your talking to us. Thank you. Sure, of course. Dr. Laura Malone is a pediatric neurologist. She co-directs Kennedy Krieger's pediatric post-COVID-19 rehabilitation clinic. We spoke in December. At the On The Record page, we have links to the guidelines on identifying and treating pediatric long COVID. Short break on the record, when we're back from a mild case of COVID to barely being able to stand, a high school student's experience with long COVID. I'm Sheila Cass, stay with us on The Record. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. An athletic, academically engaged high school student is suddenly exhausted. His normal schedule of classes, sports, and activities with friends shrinks as he struggles with dizziness, nausea, and brain fog. Even after a mild or asymptomatic case of COVID, children and teens can suffer from long-term consequences. Karen Denault lives in Littlestown, Pennsylvania, just a few miles over the Maryland line. Her son, Lucas, is a senior in high school. When we spoke in December, I asked Lucas to take me back to January 2021, when he contracted COVID. What happened?
2: Um, In the midst of a successful basketball season, uh, one of my best friends who was also on the team got COVID. And the next day, I woke up with sort of a stuffy nose, sort of tired, and... um, knowing that my best friend had COVID we got tested or otherwise I wouldn't have, um, you know, three hours later, maybe a a morning nap and I was back to normal. I was
0: fine. And then a few weeks later you began to feel seriously ill. What was going on?
2: You know, it was hard to explain at the time because I went from, you know, doing so much in one day to slowly not being able to do anything. Um, just a complete regression of tolerance to exercise, to thinking, and just to living my daily life.
0: How did long COVID affect your ability to participate in school and sports?
2: Physically, I couldn't walk down the hall. Um, Standing up and walking to my next period was a challenge, and it turned to be impossible. And around that time, it was in the heat of COVID, Um, And so my school had Zoom, Zoom Zooming classes set in place for virtual school for kids who needed it, whether you're quarantined or you have COVID. And so at the end of that year of 2021 school year, I was able to still learn, but it was virtually, which is difficult because I love being in school. I love the social aspect. I love seeing teachers. I love being there. And so to not be in school physically was I'm trying to think of a word I'm sorry physically debilitating um, but also mentally with just cognitive function academically the fatigue came so fast um, I was I was used to being able to do school quickly to then taking 15 minutes to even think of a word. I mean, it just happened now. Brain fog and fatigue, it can, it can catch up so fast and come on you so fast. It's hard sometimes to even learn.
0: Karen, how did it feel to see your son's health take such a quick downward turn?
2: It was heartbreaking
3: and it was, it was tough to watch, especially when we didn't know what was happening. Um, and as a mom, I felt pretty helpless.
0: And you, t- you took Lucas to different doctors, including a pediatric cardiologist. Were they able to give you answers?
3: Unfortunately, they were not able to give us answers. Um, per the testing that they did, everything seemed fine. They thought he was, he was a healthy teenage boy. Um, but unfortunately, you know, he, he couldn't even walk out of the office after that. So, you know, it was, it was visible that he wasn't healthy.
0: How did you get connected to Kennedy Krieger Institute.
3: We actually read an article about post-COVID and the clinic, and um, we thought that kind of sounded a lot like Lucas, Um, so we contacted them, and uh, we were just very blessed that there was a last-minute opening so he was actually able to be seen quite quickly, um, and they had him diagnosed immediately upon walking in the door. They knew exactly what was going on.
0: Yeah. Lucas, tell me about that. That was in April 2021. You had your appointment at Kennedy Krieger. What happened? Um,
2: It was very um, out of the blue because they kind of sent us an email a day before and was like, hey, we have a slot open. Can you come? And we were so thankful that that was able to happen because we just got done from the cardiologist who said I was perfectly fine. And like my mom said, after a stress test, I couldn't even walk out of the office. I was so nauseous and dizzy. Um, and so going there, it was a little intimidating because I knew I was gonna see so many doctors. Um, the one thing that we did know is that was, it was gonna be interdisciplinary. So I was gonna see a neurologist, an uh, occupational therapist, physical therapist, the head doctor, um, nurses. So like it was a little intimidating, but I was so excited to be there because I was anticipating, hopefully, for there to be an answer.
0: And was there an answer?
2: There was. There. There was. Immediately, once I walked in, I did a uh, sit-to-stand test, and they pretty much were like, "Yeah, you're. You have post-COVID symptoms. Um, like, you have probably postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome."
0: Tell me again.
2: <laughs> POTS. P-O-T-S, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome.
0: Which is, I understand, a disorder of the autonomic nervous system that controls muscles of internal organs like the heart. It's the involuntary nervous system. Yes. So how did they treat you? What's the treatment?
2: Um,
0: the treatment, there
2: is no, no magic pill, no magic formula, uh, which is... So frustrating at times. Um, they have a list of medications that may help, that may uh, you know belittle some of your symptoms, but there there is no do this for thirty days and you will be fine. Um, it's a mixture of high sodium and high water intake, a plethora of medications that all attempt to do different things in your body, but create the same result. Uh, of easing your symptoms and physical therapy is the the main thing to try and get you from, you know, being bedridden to back to where you were normally.
0: And so is physical therapy what you did after your first appointment at Kennedy Krieger?
2: Yeah, we immediately were searching for physical therapists who were, experienced in POTS. Um, we didn't want someone, you know, who I was their first patient because if they had some experience then maybe they have, you know, good tips and tricks and just a better understanding of what I was going through. And luckily we did. Um, so in, in June of 2021, I started physical therapy.
0: And what was that like? Um. <laughs>
2: Supine exercises. I, I like you're we're, on I walk, your back on my back. I walked through the door and the physical therapist said, all right, get on your back. And I was like, well, I was just confused because this is my first time doing any of this. And th- his reasoning was, you know, every time I stand up, my heart rate spikes and I get dizzy and nauseous. So let's not stand up. Um, so for 45 minutes, I laid on the ground and did uh, what I like to call grandma exercises.
3: <laughs> there were some times that he was um, so fatigued just from the drive there that the physical therapist just kind of had him lay down and he did pressure points on him. It really was just kind of a holistic approach of mind, body, spirit, um, you know, and if he was physically unable, to do the exercises, then he kind of worked on pressure points and tried to help with the fatigue and the headaches that way.
0: That's Karen Denault, the mother of high school senior Lucas Denault. On the record on WIPR, I'm Sheila Cast. Lucas had a mild case of COVID in January, 2021 that led to long COVID. He was treated at Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore. So, Lucas, you were making some progress, and and then last summer you went back to Kennedy Krieger. What happened?
2: Immediately, they found an issue with my eyes. Um, All throughout PT for an entire year, we were just focusing on my whole body and my endurance and my conditions. But when I came back to Kennedy Krieger, they immediately looked at my eyes and found that I had a deficient ocular motor nerve. And that was absolutely revolutionary. Um, because when, you're, when your eyes aren't communicating with each other, uh, and my right eye is moving one way, and my left eye is moving the exact opposite, um, that's gonna bring on a ton of nausea, dizziness, and all the sort of symptoms I was feeling. And so after I learned that I had this issue, I could, one, attack it and, and get my left eye to be better and train it. And secondly, knowing that, hey, every time I look around, I'm going to bring on my own nausea, I can limit that and then try and attack POTS and post-COVID and get better that way.
0: And so you have gotten better.
2: Much better. Thankfully, thankfully, much better.
3: This was another miracle moment for us because he got into Kennedy Krieger's specialized transition program. They call it STP. Um, So it was every day for four weeks that he went down to Kennedy Krieger and got physical therapy and occupational therapy every day.
0: And you've made so much progress, Lucas. I gather that last week you had what's essentially maybe your last visit with Kennedy Krieger.
2: Well, I got to go back from my my in-person visit and they were astounded by my progress. Um, They were so happy for me for the progress that I've made and they kind of looked at me and my mom and were like, I don't think our services are needed by you, Um, which was just amazing to hear that I've come such a long way that I don't need to change any medicine I'm on. I don't need to change any of the physical therapy I'm doing. I don't need to change any part of my life to try and get better because I'm doing so well. That doctor's appointment was amazing.
0: Karen, what advice do you have for other parents whose children are suffering from long COVID?
3: I guess my advice is to, to keep on plugging along, keep on trying to find other avenues. If something's not working, there's always something else. There's so many times that you just feel helpless, but there are so many resources out there now, um, so many educated people that might be able to help. So continue to research and ask the questions needed. Um, it is not a one approach for one person. Um, what hap- you know what what um, helped Lucas get better may not help uh, another child get better. So it's really just trying every avenue until you find something that works when you find that it works go you know slow it's just a long slow process so just you know go slow and it will work
0: lucas this is the first time you've had a health crisis what sticks with you about this experience
2: knowing that not all illnesses injuries and disabilities are on the outside I looked the exact same as I did my sophomore year, as I, do, as I did my junior year, and as I do now. Um, and going through this process, sometimes it was difficult for people around me to, to understand what I was going through because there was no physical signs. I didn't have a cast, I didn't have a brace, I didn't have a splint on my arm. Um, So there was nothing constantly reminding people that, hey, this kid is not well. Um, And I was I was far from it, but it's all on the inside. And so sometimes it's hard to consider that something so debilitating can be on the inside. Um, But going through something like this gives me an appreciation for for a lot of illnesses that are just like mine.
0: So. Lucas, do you feel you're completely over this long COVID experience?
2: No, far from it. Far from it. Um, progress. the The progress that I've made has been uh, a lifesaver and has given me some relief. Um, but I, I am far from. Uh, I like. I like calling it pots. You know, post COVID, going dormant. Uh, I am far from that. I am. I'm not a hundred percent. Um, it you know tasks that that other kids my age uh, can do with ease still sometimes um, are difficult for me. I still have lingering symptoms. Uh, my fatigue catches up to me still super fast. Um, sometimes when I stand up, I get nauseous, um, and so I, I am far from post COVID being out of my life.
0: And so Karen, looking. Ahead the next few months, what are you going to be watching for?
3: I always, and I think I have been, always looking for that regression. And I think that's that's really tough for me because he's doing so much more and he's so excited and he really is just flourishing. But I am constantly staring at him, like drilling that hole in his body, um, thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to set him over? You know, is is he not going to be able to walk tomorrow morning when he wakes up? I think it's that kind of you know, emotional distress that, you know, I remember from six months ago um, that sticks with me that I'm, I'm scared still. Um, I'm nervous that, you know, he, he can run now and he goes out and he runs and he gets back and he's, he's tired, you know, more tired than he should be. And I'm, and I'm always so concerned, but he knows his body and um, I'm, I'm trusting him. But as a mom, it's really, really hard to watch.
0: Lucas, you're about halfway through your senior year. What are your plans after high school?
2: I am anticipating going to college to be a physicist. I luckily know what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, I know a lot of kids struggle with that at my age, so I'm lucky for that.
0: I'm grateful to you both for walking us through this journey with you. Thank you. Of course, thank Thank you. Thank you so much. Karen and Lucas Denault live in Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Lucas has been recovering from long COVID with help from the Kennedy Krieger Pediatric Post-COVID Rehabilitation Clinic. We spoke in December. I'm Sheila Kast. Glad you're with us on The Record. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> the people that 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 the